Louisa May Alcott, Henry David Thoreau, Daphne du Maurier. To us, they're the most untouchable authors of classic literature. But to their contemporaries, well, that's another matter altogether. This is Lit Slashing, a weekly podcast bringing you history's most notorious, bad, backhanded, and brutal reviews of literary classics. I'm Dr. Courtney Floyd. And I'm Dr. Eleanor Dumbill. So, these sisters. Emily Jane Bronte was born 30th July 1818 and died on the 19th of December 1848. Anne Bronte was born 17th January 1820 to 28th May 1849. They published their first novel together as Wuthering Heights and Agnes Grey under the pseudonyms Ellis Bell and Acton Bell. Yeah, you, you might know these authors. Um, and we figured, why do one Bronte when you can cover two at the same time? <laughs> Feed two Brontes with one scone. I don't know. I didn't want to go the other metaphor of that. <laughs> Feed two Brontes with one particle of tuberculosis. That's too dark. Sorry. I apologize for myself. Oh, too soon. It'll never not be too soon. So, uh, yeah, we have some reviews to share. A review of Wuthering Heights and Agnes Grey by Emily Bronte and Anne Bronte, respectively, published in the Athenaeum in 1847. Jane Eyre, it will be recollected, was edited by Mr. Currer Bell. Here are two tales so nearly related to Jane Eyre in cast of thought, incident, and language as to excite some curiosity. All three might be the work of one hand, but the first issued remains the best. In spite of much power and cleverness, in spite of its truth to life in the remote nooks and corners of England, Wuthering Heights is a disagreeable story. The bells seem to affect painful and exceptional subjects. The misdeeds and oppressions of tyranny, the eccentricities of woman's fantasy— they do not turn away from dwelling upon those physical acts of cruelty which we know to have their warrant in the real annals of crime and suffering, but the contemplation of which true taste rejects. The brutal master of the lonely house on Wuthering Heights, a prison which might be pictured from life, has doubtless had his prototype in those ungenial and remote districts where human beings, like trees, grow gnarled and dwarfed and distorted by the inclement climate. But he might have been indicated with far fewer touches, in place of so entirely filling the canvas that there is hardly a scene untainted by his presence. It was like a dreariness. A like unfortunate selection of objects, which cut short the popularity of Charlotte Smith's novels, rich though they be in true pathos and faithful descriptions of nature. Enough of what is mean and bitterly painful and degrading gathers round every one of us during the course of his pilgrimage through this veil of tears to absolve the artist from choosing his incidents and characters out of such a dismal catalogue, and if the bells, singly or collectively, are contemplating future or frequent utterances in fiction, let us hope that they will spare us further interiors so gloomy as the one here elaborated with such dismal minuteness. 
In this respect, Agnes Grey is more acceptable to us, though less powerful. It is the tale of a governess who undergoes much that is the real bond of a governess's endurance. But the new victim's trials are of a more ignoble quality than those which awaited Jane Eyre. In the household of the Bloomfields, the governess is subjected to torment by terrible children, as the French have it. In that of the Murrays, she has to witness the ruin wrought by false indulgence on two coquettish girls, whose coquetries jeopardize her own heart's secret. In both these tales, there is so much feeling for character and nice marking of scenery that we cannot leave them without once again warning their authors against what is eccentric and unpleasant. Never was there a period in our history of society when we English could so ill afford to dispense with sunshine. Like, how dare? How dare you roll up to these queens of, like, a gothic literature and tell them that the very thing for which they're most remembered is also, like, the thing they should never do again? The audacity! Also, like, you're reviewing gothic novels. I don't, like, go to a pizza place and then review it and say, this isn't fish and chips. Right? It doesn't make any sense. There's too much pizza in the world. And it's well-cooked pizza, but there's too much pizza in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, like, the frequent kind of manifestation of Jane Eyre here. It's like, mm -hmm. the amount of sibling rivalry this must have caused. Just, ah. I can only imagine. I have, in my usual, slightly off-the-wall way, not actually, well, I kind of have a review of The Tenant of Wildfell Hall. But I have a review of reviews of the tenant of Wildfell Hall. Yes. This article is called New Novels, Critics. The Tenant of Wildfell Hall by Acton Bell is like his preceding work of the Jane Eyre family, and the writer, we believe, is of the same family as the author of that very popular performance. By the by, with regard to these family resemblances, we may as well depart from the sheer unsatisfactoriness of criticism upon works of fiction by noticing the whimsicalities and blunders into which the best of us may sometimes fall, a circumstance which ought to be teach leniency towards error in others. Prefixed to Wildfell Hall are quoted the opinions of the press on Mr Bell's first novel, and they curiously agree about its relation, affinity, etc. to Jane Eyre, Mr Currabell's production, not Acton's. It seems almost a ring of bells and the changes not very marked. The Britannia says, it is strangely original, it reminds us of Jane Eyre. But Douglas Gerald beats this to ribbons, for he recommends all his readers who love novelty to get this story, for we, Douglas Gerald, can promise them they never read anything like it before. It is like Jane Eyre. So that this one thing is clear, Mr Gerald's readers never had read Jane Eyre, or they must have read something like it before. The Atlas is characteristically quoted in the same of ease, for its opinion viz, it is a colossal performance. There's a little bit more discussion of other reviews, and then we find... But what have these unreal realities to do with new novels? Literally nothing. And they seem to us to be suggested simply by the fact there is so little to be critically said of such publications. They are to amuse the hour and to waste an hour in telling how they can or cannot do so is not only to spoil that time, but to prevent the pleasure of the original. Well then, with regard to Wildfell Hall, it really deserves the praise bestowed on its precursor as a work of talent. The talent is certainly more displayed in the conception and descriptions and incidents of the first volume than when the author gets involved in the intricacies of his own story, and the interest lags much in making out the denouement. After the tenant is confessed, we care little about her, and see to the end, through all her dutiful perfections, 
not forgetting the rather dubious moral of a pseudo-widow forming a devoted attachment to another man while her profligate husband is still living. To be sure, that is all very virtuous, very restrained and very guarded. It is a great fact and under any other painting of circumstances would be a dangerous model for the best of disgusted wives to imitate. It's original! It's like Jade Eyre! <laughs> it's original! It's like Jade Eyre! It's like comparing Mary Poppins to the turn of the screw. I don't know. <laughs> I was coming up with that while I was listening. It took me a bit. <laughs> that was such a good comparison. But yeah, I just loved this summary of clearly someone who's really bored of reading other reviews going, you cannot keep comparing everything to Jane Eyre. Yeah, we'll have to do an episode on Jane Eyre specifically because it got a lot of it got a lot of interesting reviews too. But I also want to do like one mm -hmm. where Charlotte, who outlived both of her sisters, um, becomes kind of the editor um, of their work, the keeper of their work, and has some thoughts about the quality of it that she <laughs> kind of infamously notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also thought this review was so kind of ambivalent, where it's like, yeah, she's talented, but I don't like the story. It's really similar to the review that you read. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why do you why do you pick up a book in a genre that you don't like and then give it a negative review because you don't like it? Like, jeez. <laughs> jeez. We never see that happen today. What is with these people? Anyway, if you think we're original and like Jane Eyre, then please leave us a positive review via your favourite podcatcher. Yeah, if you've never heard anything like this, but maybe it's like Victorian Scribblers, leave a review. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at LitSlashingPod and find our website at www.litslashing.card.co. That's card with two R's. Now go forth and leave some good reviews. Review the, this episode, review other reviews. It was like a dreariness. <laughs> <laughs>